now if you look at the film from what he did against the Giants and how he's developed as a passer. Because you faced him, you played against him before. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was getting much rush up the field on him either. So <laughs> you stand back there in the pocket all day and you know go to your first, second, third reads and oh, come back to your first one. Okay, cool. I think anybody can do that. You can throw the ball if that's the case. <laughs> You know, Dak's always phenomenal, uh, uh, you know, with his arms, so I mean. Did anybody do that? Huh? What Dak did today? Did anybody do that? No. only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Win, Cows win, Cows win. Another dominant NFC East victory for your Dallas Cowboys to start off the season. A perfect 2-0. 31 to 21, the final score from FedEx Field on Sunday as the Cowboys offense put on another show against the rival Washington Redskins. And we at The Athletic are here to go beyond the box score and react accordingly. Hello and welcome to About Them Cowboys. I'm your producer and host for this session, Kent Garrison, as we break down that huge win by the Dallas Cowboys with the best in the business. First, welcome back to the show, The Athletics. DFW beat writer Saad Youssef. Hey, Saad. Hey, that was a that was one pretty awesome game to watch. It was, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it with you. And joining us from the scene of the crime, Washington, via satellite phone, is the one and only, the voice of the Cowboys for the Athletic, John Johnny Football Mishota. Hey, John. What up? What up? Man, um, long day for you, John. It is, but. It's good, man. I'll tell you what, because with this team, there's like no offseason, obviously, as you guys know. And so with only 16 games, unlike other sports, you just you just really appreciate each one. And uh, that's just my that's my favorite part about covering this team is actually when you get to the games and you get to kind of see what you've been talking about ad nauseum for weeks and weeks and weeks <laughs> and and watching these practices where they don't really show you much because no one's really hitting. So when you get to these games, it just, uh, you know, Win or lose, I really don't care really about the outcome. I just want to be entertained, and these last two games have been entertaining. That is for sure, man. It is, uh, it's been quite a ride. I'm sure the listener is excited to hear us talk about actual games now. So let's get into some general thoughts about the game. Uh, we'll go through some of the key plays here in a little bit, but let's just generally talk about how this game went for the Dallas Cowboys uh, this Sunday. John, you were at the game, as I mentioned, uh, what was the vibe like at the game? Just uh, general thoughts on this win for Dallas. Yeah, I mean, as you guys know, the Cowboys, just the way that their fans travel is just crazy. And and again, mm. it was just like, I mean, at one point, they needed a big fourth or, yeah, no, actually, I think it was a third long stop. And I look at the sideline and Joe Looney is like waving his hands to get the crowd in. And the crowd behind the Cowboys bench was actually getting louder. And it's just so it's like it's not only is it a road game, but it's at your like one of your rivals' houses, and it just—I don't know. It just—it was—it it never ceases to amaze me. I've been covering the team since 2011, and I just still—I guess it's just that growing up in Detroit and and just not seeing even a lot of Lions fans at the own Lions games, much less on the road, and just Cowboys fans never cease to amaze me in that sense. And they—they they certainly were—they uh, were certainly very loud and vocal in this game, and they had a lot of reason to be. The, the thing that stood out to me the most is just how much this game reminded me of the first game in the sense that, like, they get off to this slow start, they go down, you know, 7 nothing, and then it's like something clicks for them, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 one series after another, they're just scoring. And I know the last game it was five consecutive touchdown drives, but this one having the four touchdowns and the field goal, 
I mean, I know you have to consider the opponent while you're at it, but man, just that's a heck of a way to start the season. I mean, I, I had high expectations for Kellen Moore and what he could do with this offense, but I, I just, I think the thing that stands out most to me is just how much they've been spreading the ball around and getting multiple people, you know, involved in, in, in multiple guys making significant plays. It's not just Dak and Zeke, even though they are, you know, the face of it. Just so many guys getting involved. I think those are the biggest things that I kind of get. And then the, the last thing I wanted to add is just, that they're doing this, and nobody on that defense thinks that the defense is playing well. I mean, it's like in the locker room after this game, it, it's split where the defense is on one side and the offense is on the other. And it's just like, man, you go over to that defensive side, you would have thought they lost the game the way that these guys were acting. And it just, particularly on the defensive line, like Malik Collins and Marcus Lawrence, it just frustrated that they only got one sack again. They only had one sack against Eli, one sack today. And it just, like they kept saying it, that's not their standard. Their standard is to get multiple sacks, to be hitting these quarterbacks. And, and because they haven't done that, they're not, they're not a happy bunch. And, it, and it's kind of wild to think that because of, you know, the two wins that they've had. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see what this defense defines as a successful outing. I'm excited to, to see that. Saad, react to this game. Well, the, and I want to pick up where John left off about the defense, and I think what's really interesting about that is that the defense is probably the side, well, it is the side of the ball that isn't even fully loaded yet. Donovan Wilson is still going to come back. I think he's probably going to be uh, the best playmaker, maybe not the best, like in, in the secondary, and when I say that, Byron Jones, you know, he does a good job, but he doesn't intercept balls. Um, we saw Jeff Heath, one kind of went off his helmet today. I think Donovan Wilson has shown a knack for just finding the ball and then Jerry Jones alluded I saw John tweeted out that Jerry Jones alluded to getting Robert Quinn back and and I think that's going to be a, a huge boost to that defensive line which John said that you know wasn't in great spirits but I think that's going to be something that's going to help a lot as well so I think both of those things combined will be uh will be great and I think that'll you know I, I think that'll start something even better for the Cowboys as far as their defensive side goes man um, lots to talk about with this game. Um, we all predicted a Cowboys victory on the uh, on the podcast on the Athletic exclusive episode. If you're not subscribed to this podcast on the Athletic, you need to do that. We do multiple episodes a week. Uh, one of them is available to everybody, which you might be listening to now. But if you want more from us, more Cowboys talk in your life, which who doesn't? Um, subscribe to the Athletic and theathletic.com slash about them cowboys is where you go for that. Um, but we were talking about uh, some of the holes in the defense uh, for Washington. We were talking about uh, the injury to Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson coming, stepping up to the plate. Um, you know, I thought Peterson would have some juice. Uh, you know, I thought it was about a series and a half or a score and a half worth of juice. You know, I, I uh, predicted about seven points for Washington in this game. They did score more than that. But, you know, uh, this this game was really defined by the first half, in my opinion. And um, the Cowboys offense is just blowing me away. Uh, you know, to John's point earlier about Kellen Moore, um, I'm just uh, blown away at the amount of playmakers that they have. Uh, we talked, you know, preseason about, you know, this is probably the most weapons that Dak Prescott has had in his career, you know, aside from his rookie season where he was kind of thrown in there with Des Bryant and Jason Witten and all these guys and didn't really have uh, an off season or a season uh, or anything like that to, to really gel. And, and now, you know, he's a veteran player, captain of this team. And 
this coaching staff, uh, Stephen Jones, everybody has really done a good job of, of putting pieces around him. And you alluded to it, uh, John, earlier a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott and Dak being the face of this thing. But, you know, that's really what makes this thing work is that they have to be the face of this thing. You know, they have to be able to bite on play action for Dak to be able to go and get a 50-yard run. Uh, They have to be able to, uh, you know, key in on uh, the passing game, and and that's what makes Zeke successful. So Kellen Moore really understands that. And, man, I just hope, honestly, that they can't put a lot of this on tape. I know that's impossible, but, uh, you know, you always get scared at some point uh, towards the middle of the season that uh, somebody's going to figure this out and it's going to be too good to be true at some point. But, uh, you know, this has been incredible so far. Uh, let's go through this, uh, kind of the, the key plays of this game. You know, the Cowboys started on defense. Um, long incompletion to McLaurin to start out. Uh, Malik Collins, big loss of five uh, on Adrian Peterson to start off that. Uh, series for the defense. I thought there was going to be more of that, more disruption in the backfield. Um, but, you know, they seem to get the job done, John. And you're talking about their the definition of, of success. You know, I, I think they're probably talking about sacks and turnovers, but, you know, this defense made plays when they needed to make plays. They did. None bigger than, I mean, they only had one sack, but if you're going to get one sack, they got it at a great time, and that was Tyrone Crawford's there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was on third and long, and, and for him to be able to get home there, uh, it finally stopped momentum. Momentum was completely on the Redskins' side, and just nothing was clicking for, for the Cowboys' offense. And so to get that spark, and then, uh, you know, and then that's what we see this all the time. You know, Dak had his uh, first turnover of the year, and then all of a sudden that turns into points for Washington. Well, it's the same way here. Tyrone Crawford gets that big sack. They're forced to punt, and then all of a sudden they got things clicking for the for the offense. It's, it's, it's funny how that works in football like that because you'd sit there and think, like, well, there's a turnover and the guys or, or a big play and the guys that had a say in it are all leaving the field and you're bringing out a new group. It's, you know, it'd be one thing in basketball, you get a big turnover. It's the same guys on the floor, but you're bringing out a completely new group of guys. And it's just crazy how that they can be energized off that one big play like that. And I really feel like that was one of the biggest plays in the game and, and, and the rest of the team fed off that. Now, Antoine Woods getting hurt. Um, that, you know, it looks like, I think he's got a sprained knee. He said after the game that, He'd be all right, but I could see him potentially missing some time. So, you know, you have Tristan Hill, who wasn't active for this game, wasn't active for the first game. I think that that'll probably change, you know, next week. And and it'll be interesting to see what he, what he can bring. Kerry Hyder is another guy. He got extra snaps because, you know, Tyrone Crawford's dealing a little bit with a hip issue. And so uh, you saw a little bit more Kerry Hyder, a little bit more Ter- Ter- Dorrance Armstrong. And then all of a sudden you're going to have Robert Quinn coming back. So it's like, you know, the defense isn't anywhere where they want to be yet, but they, you know, they're showing promise in, in certain different areas that, you know, maybe they aren't and they don't end up being a top five defense or, or something like that, but they should be a top 10 unit by the end of the year. And with the way the offense is playing, that should be good enough. Yeah. Just, uh, just to touch on that, uh, series before the, the Crawford sack, uh, for the defense, Jalen Smith flying to the football and, and uh, preventing a touchdown. I know they ended up getting the first down. They ended up scoring on that drive. Washington did. But seeing Jalen Smith fly to that ball and knock him out of bounds, I know that's a signature play for him now and everything, but it just gets me hyped. It probably gets that defense hyped. And, you know, you give Adrian Peterson first and goal from the two-yard line or whatever it was, I don't care what defense is out there. He's probably going to score. You know, I I feel like they probably saw – 
even that series as a win, and they built off that. And like I said, they made stops when they needed to make stops. But uh, Saad, what's your impression of how this defense played uh, against Washington today? I think it was. I, I think it was pretty good like like they definitely left some plays out there like I think the one that stood out to me um, was the Jeff Heath interception which I mean well should be interception I think that one could have been like a big game-changing play I think that one makes one of the yeah. top five plays that changes yeah. the game if he makes it um, but like you said I mean I think they did enough to where they needed to on defense just enough to uh, you know give the offense enough opportunity to score points and then keep the Redskins just out of the end zone and also the the other big thing for me was the way that they handled Case Keenum I thought they they made him play to uh, they made they dictated his play for him he wasn't able to do everything that he wanted to you could tell that he looked a little uncomfortable um, out there at times and and if you're able to do that with a quarterback like Keenum, who's not elite and, and has a restricted skill set, I think that benefits you greatly as well. So I think overall, I think they did pretty good. But uh, I would say the linebacking core, of course, look great. They always do. But the defensive line and the uh, the secondary could do better. And I think they'll, they'll do better going forward. Is this secondary just immune to interceptions? <laughs> like, it's uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> It's honestly impressive that they, yeah the Xavier Woods it's incredible like how many I mean I'm talking over the past just you know since I've been covering the team well, seven years or so um, they just they cannot get interceptions for the life of them and it, it, when they do it's Jeff Heath and nobody gives them credit you know um, but it's just there was there was two times in the first half one was Xavier Woods and one was Jeff Heath. Um, that you thought that this game could really swing the Cowboys' way, and they could they could take this thing, um, you know, put it away early, and um, and they didn't do that. Uh, John, I want to ask you something, um, and I'm interested to hear what Bob says in his piece on the Athletic, you know, his film breakdown later this week. But you know, I saw, you know, from the TV copy, it looked like Connor Williams was getting pretty handled out there by Deron Payne. Uh, the running game kind of got going late. But um, what did you see as far as that goes and as far as the interior of the offensive line in this game? <laughs> From that awful press box view, nothing. No, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, there was a giant pole in your face. Uh, oh, my God. I will say this without question. Washington's press box, it's 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 the toughest, man. It's I don't I don't we're, we're in a lower level than we are, let's say, at AT&T Stadium. But we're in one of the end zones and you're just you don't have that upper like vantage point to look down on. So. I was joking around with Dave Hellman uh, from the Cowboys website uh, that I have my binoculars. And I was like, I'll relay to you what's going on down there since nobody knows. But no, it is the worst like press box view yeah. you could have in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so I, as you said, I, I can't wait to look at that as well, um, to look back at the All-22 in particular when that comes out. Because it is one of those things where it's just so there's so much going on. It's so hard to focus in on a certain particularly offensive lineman unless one of two things happen. A big run happens where you can kind of see who opened the hole or two what they don't want, which is obviously they give up a sack and you see a guy just get absolutely worked out. Now, I will say, though, I, nothing really jumped out to me about Connor Williams off of just being at the game. Um, you know, I will, I will say even if, even if there is stuff there, I still think he's better than he was last year. And with that offensive line, if you have a really strong Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith and and Zach Martin and Travis Frederick, it's like 
Well, do you need five all pros? I mean, can Come you on. get by with one guy? I, I hate that. I hate, let's let the rookie get out there because everybody else is so good. Like, but if, why do you need Joe? Why do you need five first round picks that are all stars? I mean, there's so many teams that get it done with just. Well, I'm, I know, I know, but I'm saying like, if there's somebody, like if they're keeping Joe Looney on the bench. Oh, I got you. I just got to you. let yeah, the yeah, rookie yeah, yeah, get yeah, out yeah, there yeah, yeah. and like, oh, well, he needs to get reps. He's the future. You know, when Tyron's gone or, or you know, if we ever lose, uh, if we ever lose Travis Frederick again and Joe has to come in there, you know, he's going to have to play. So it's like if if I just want the best five to be out there. And again, I haven't seen the tape and I'm, I'm interested, but that was just like a glaring thing in this game. It's like, dude, I I felt like if if they had a little bit more of a solid foundation there in the middle and, you know, Travis Frederick didn't have a great game by the looks of it either, but um you know, they could have probably really got this running game going. And I'm just waiting for Zeke Elliott to go well, off. I guess that's what I'm waiting for. Well, let me just say this. As as I'm watching this, you know, Falcons game close out, you know, with them beating the Eagles, and they're obviously playing in Atlanta. As we talk about this, all I keep thinking about is that just that Chaz Green game in Atlanta and how, <laughs> you know, just because, like, people don't think that the mental side of it affects offensive linemen like it does other positions. Well, Chaz Green was just never the same after that. and I And I really feel like, if I agree with you in the in the Joe Looney sense, he's a veteran. It, I technically, if you're trying to get your best five out there, he probably should be out there. But because that they've already made their bed with this, you can't pull Connor Williams out now because then all of a sudden his I mean, yeah. that, what did that would do to his confidence? You just would never want to do that. And I think that ultimately why you see him out there is because of what his upside is, is that he could potentially be one of those you know, top level type players like the rest of those offensive linemen are. And I think that that's what they're, they're hoping he becomes eventually. Um, but as, as of right now, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I, nothing really stood out to me, but then again, you can go back and look at that all 22 and it completely changed your mind. But uh, as of right now, I will say this, they won't be making any changes as long as those five stay healthy. Yeah. And I think, I think with Connor Williams, the thing was that if, just watching from television, like I know Kent, you and I were the, the reason Connor just stood out is because I think he had what, two penalties, two or three penalties. And then, uh, and then, you know, he had, he was, kind of uh held accountable for that interception as uh, yeah deron yeah. Payne was was given so i think time. i think for us it just kind of stood out more and and i and like you said we haven't seen the game film yet i don't know how good or bad he was the rest of the way but i, I I'm, I'm i'm with john that like you know if there's one le- one weak piece to it like you would hope that you know they can overcome especially i mean i know it's hard for a quarterback you have to have a clean pocket so the interior is tough but um, I think you know having Travis Travis Frederick back there that should help Connor a little bit. He should and, and you know that that should definitely be something that he can lean on and, and get help from. But you know putting Joe Looney out there, I think it would have to be a Chaz Green type performance for Connor Williams for for Connor Williams to get pulled. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope we're <laughs> let's hope we're good and yeah, we'll just smooth sailing from here on out. So the offense gets on the board big time for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott. A uh, 51-yard touchdown to 1-5. Devin Smith um, making his Cowboys touchdown debut. And, man, if we can get this off the bench, you know, so to speak, um, this is what the Cowboys have never really had is that depth, that wide receiver, you know, like when a Tavon Austin goes out that, you know, whoever they call up contributes. You know, I felt like they got contributions from – every wide receiver in the roster uh today and it showed and Devin Smith man 
what a way to make an impact in a divisional game like that. That was a it was a huge play. Nice nice touch from Dak, and uh, and wow, I was a uh, was really impressed with that. Yeah, and that's the thing though is just with the way that this league is, as we saw today with the injuries all across the board, it just you yeah. have to be ready for that, especially at the wide receiver position because you just never know when that's going to happen. And you obviously didn't have Tavon Austin active today because he had the concussion uh, symptoms that he was dealing with all week. And then you have Michael Gallup in this game get his knee banged up. I think he's going to get an MRI, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, so you you might – I don't know the severity of that. He seemed to be moving around fine after the game, but uh, you just never know. And, and that was one of the reasons why Devin Smith was getting extra playing time is because of uh, those situations. And, and to see a guy like that who, I mean, obviously he was a stud at Ohio State. I mean, he was the guy that, you know, really it's kind of the way – they were built kind of the way this team was where they lean on the running game with Ezekiel Elliott – uh, but because of that, you could take the top off the defense with this guy being such a deep threat that he is. And that's why he had like 30, 31 catches, something like that during his final year at Ohio State. But it was like for almost a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns because it was just big plays, big plays. You know, the defenses would fall asleep, be keying on Zeke. And then all of a sudden, boom, you could hit Devin Smith on a, on a big play. And that's what I thought of today because that, I mean, there was definitely a part of me that thought we'd never see that Devin Smith again. When you have two major knee injuries to the same knee, and that's the reason why the Jets let him go. The chances of those of you coming back from that and, and, and returning to the player you were before are just not great. So to add that to there, a guy that they just added in January that was really under the radar, nobody thought at that time that he was going to even make the roster, much less make his, you know, a touchdown catch and make an Im- impact in, in games. I mean, uh, that's one of those things. But that, you know, the other thing is, too, is when you have Dak playing so well, you have the play calls going the way they are. You have the offensive line playing well and Zeke playing well. It takes the pressure off those other guys. And and, and when you have Amari Cooper and, and veterans like Randall Cobb and that, it makes it easier for other guys to step in there and kind of be playmakers. And it was just a good sign that you could see Dak going to Devin Smith, who they clicked throughout training camp. But that's one thing. That's an, another to actually do that in a game. And then to do it on Josh Norman, just to take Josh Norman deep like that, um, I just I just thought it was really interesting that just how that whole thing unfolded. I mean, it made me take a double take in the press box. Again, it was in that far end zone that seemed like a mile and a half away from where we were at. But I just double take. I was like, was that Devin Smith? I mean, when's the last time he caught a touchdown? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think they said it was 2016 was his last like reception in a game or something like that. Yeah, I think tw- I think 2015 is rookie years. I think he only had one other touchdown in in his career, and it was his rookie year in 2015. So. It's been a while. Yeah, it's a great call by, like I was alluding to earlier, the the scouting staff to, you know, the fact that we were talking about John V. Johnson, you know, in training camp. Can you imagine if that had been John V. Johnson? It just went right off his fingertips and <laughs> we're like sitting here talking about this in a different light would have been would have been pretty crazy, but. Oh, if they would, and they, and if they would have lost the game on top of that, <laughs> oh, that poor yeah, kid. he would have been, uh, yeah, he would have been toast. You know, talk about psyching somebody out forever. That would have been, that would have been bad. I guarantee you, Josh Norman didn't see that play coming though, because he didn't have. He bit inside, yeah. He 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 didn't. Yeah. He just like he's like, okay, it's Devin Smith. Oh, okay, yeah, it's it's obviously a run, you know. <laughs> and that ball, I mean, that's, you got to give Dak credit. He, he worked on that deep ball in the off season, and it's been clicking so far. I mean, we saw it. Again, we've seen it in training camp. We've seen it in the preseason, and you're just like, well, that's the training camp. That's that's preseason. Let's let's see it during the regular season. And that thing's been on through two games, and, and that's the big thing that you know, you've been you've been missing because you need that to go along with Zeke. Because if you when everyone's crowding the line like that, if you can hit on that deep ball, I mean, there just really isn't an answer for that defense. I don't care how good you are defensively. I just 
Because that's the thing, too. It wasn't like Devin Smith was just running wide open 10 yards out there, and he had time to kind of run under it. I mean, he hit him in stride, and Dak was thrown from Dallas's 40. I mean, that was like, you know, 55 yards in the air, 60 yards in the air, right on the money. Yeah. Uh, if he's hitting on on that with the with com- combining that with the running game, I mean this this offense doesn't have any problems. They'll be able to compete with anybody in the league. Man, Dak's deep ball so far has been really impressive. Uh, you know, last week Gallup the deep ball, the deep ball to Amari, the touchdown. Uh, this week, several deep balls. I mean, I've just been really impressed with uh, Dak's mechanics, and we're gonna get a lot more into Dak a little bit later on in this uh, episode. So stay tuned for that. We're going to go through a little bit more in the game. But speaking of that uh, play, that touchdown, Maher doinking the PAT off the upright. (laughs) I mean, like this guy, I guess if it goes in, it goes in, you know, like if it's good, if it's good. But this guy, he makes it, you know, by a centimeter just about every time, you know, like if he tried to make it, uh, as close as he's made it, he couldn't make it that close. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's just honestly incredible. The uh, I think the mental toll that guy's going through every every single week, and it's showing. But you know, so far he's done all right, and we'll see how it goes. But you know, I don't think uh, I have any more confidence in Brett Maher uh, this season than um, than I probably should have. So That's it. they're um, in a tough spot though, too, because. It, as you saw with the Chicago Bears uh, last year, and even throughout yeah. this offseason, it's not There's no one. It's not easy just to find another place kicker yeah. that you can really trust. Um, you know, there there might be some veterans out there that uh, you know are still trying to hang in and, and, and maybe get a trial. But I mean, it's it's not easy to find really good kickers you can trust because if they if they could, I think that the Cowboys would have brought another one into camp. But uh, as of right now, they're going to keep going with Maher, and if. And if something happens down the line, you know, they'll address it then. But, you know, they, they want to give him every chance to have success. I mean, the last thing you want to do now is bring somebody else in because then it just shows you don't you don't have any confidence in him. That's the last thing that 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 they want, because uh, I think I think people are pretty spoiled with Dan Bailey over the years because it just when he was on, I mean, he was just automatic and you just you just kind of took it for granted. Like, well, eh, field goal. Well, count those three points. Dan Bailey will make that or whatever. But you now all of a sudden you see what other teams around the league are dealing with, and it's it's not that easy. And fortunately for the Cowboys through these first two games, they really haven't had to rely on that very much. And I thought it was interesting when he did come in to kick that field goal. I was just thinking, man, if he misses this in this situation, uh, you know, that's going to be just a major storyline after this game. Because this is the thing. He's been making the long ones. It's those ones inside of 30 that where they really leave you like, you know, and here's the thing. He almost missed the second one. And, he doinked the PAT, and then he almost missed the chip shot, like, I don't know, 30-something yarder yeah. like later in the game. Yeah, I mean, so far, it hasn't been a problem, but I don't think anybody that's watched this team, uh, you know, for the last 12 months or so would be that surprised if all of a sudden it started going off track. Yeah, but, you know, also in Minnesota, I mean, Dan Bailey, he was one for two. He missed a field goal today, too, and he missed an extra point. So uh, you talk about how reliable Dan Bailey was. Even he's he's been struggling up in Minnesota. He made it look so easy there for whatever it was, three, four yeah. years, man. It just seemed like every time he went, I remember I would be looking down at my laptop and writing something. It was about like eight years. That, it was a long time. What do you think it was? Yeah, it was like maybe it was okay. 2010 to See, last I took year. it for granted. 
three guess, years. Come on. <laughs> it's like, was it that long? It was like, what? I don't know. Who's the old number 15 on the Devon street. That's who I think of a three year guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Three, three years is too short, but I would say, I mean, Adam, yeah, we took I'm it, sorry. We took I'm it being critical. Sorry. My bad. I know what we, you we, 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 we took it for granted because yeah. of the fact that just, he, he would trot him out there and you just be like, Oh, Dan will make this, especially, you know, at home and especially the, you know, the makeable ones inside of 40 yards, you just, you just counted them and, and you didn't think twice about it. But with Maher, you got to watch every single kick, every single extra point. Cause, uh, he makes it close. He keeps it, he keeps it interesting. He absolutely does. Dak Prescott, big zone read run into Josh Norman. Uh, great play 42 yard run for Dak career long. And, uh, Ended up setting up the uh, Jason Witten touchdown. But, man, I thought he was going to the house on that. I'm sure he's going to get roasted in the film room when they look back at that because I felt like if he ran, like, not towards Josh Norman, maybe, like, towards the other corner of the end zone, he probably would have made it. But uh, it was uh, it was funny to see Michael Gallup trying to get that block and to see Josh Norman just get owned is is awesome too i love it i i, I all right hey i just i just looked it up it was six years on dan bailey five or six years of, of <laughs> okay my bad my bad there you go right. we'll split it we'll stop split acting, it yeah right stop down the middle like this guy. okay stop acting like this guy was in the league for <laughs> sorry no um no that's funny on that run though i think what he was doing was waiting for gallup to set a block yeah he was um, but like if he just he turned his head down he the, gonna beat norman if he just turned his head down the field like a running back and gone for it i think he might have made it like i I don't know. Like, I feel like he's taking the angle uh, game. It would have been, yeah, but he was waiting for Gallup to set the block. And, and, uh, yeah, but with, with Gallup doing that, I was like, just don't block in the back. Cause, like, <laughs> yeah. like a lot of times receivers, you know, when they get in that position, that awkward position, sometimes they give like a nudge or something. And if Josh Norman sells it, like, you know, that comes back. That was the first thing that was going through my mind when I was just like watching both of them and, and the way Norman had position. I was like, just don't block in the back. Thank God he didn't, and Jason Witten, his second touchdown of the year. Man, it's good to see 82 back doing what he does best, which is red zone touchdowns and, uh, you know, playing the mind game. And, um, man, I I honestly thought Jason Witten would be effective, but, you know, they averaged this all season. I think we're good. I think think this would be worth the comeback uh, for him. You know, step out of the booth and average, you know, a touchdown a game would not be bad for for all eighty two. But well, we saw it during during training camp that that's where he first really started to flash uh, with his time back. Yeah. It's just he was Dak was looking for him in the in all the red zone drills, and you're kind of like you know what? Even if his plays, you know, his snaps do come down, I think this is an area where he can help out immediately. And that obviously was a tough spot for them last year. They struggled in the red zone. That was one of the biggest you know criticisms of Scott Linehan. But getting back Travis Frederick, I think, is huge there. And, and, and getting back Jason Witten, you know, I mean, Callum Moore is obviously going to get a lot of credit for it, but you can't overlook those two moves. Getting those two veterans in there, it, it's not only do they know what they're doing, but just seeing them out there is a calming presence for the rest of the guys in the huddle. When they look around, you just have confidence. That you're like, these guys have been there a bunch, and they've executed, and we've had success with these guys, and they continue to do that. And that's confidence for everybody across the board. And and. You really can't put a value on that because it's just special having something like that. So even if Jason Witten, you know, had his snaps cut in half, I think those are still areas there. Boom. They get the ball red zone. You got to get Witten out there. He's crafty. It's hard. It's hard to defend him. And through two games, he's proven that he's on pace for 16 touchdowns. He's obviously not going to get that, but 
uh, it is interesting that he's closing in on that on that all time touchdown receptions uh, record that Des Bryant holds. I think I think he's only three away now, um, and I think he gets that. I, I would I'd be very surprised if he doesn't have at least five touchdowns now. That he's already got two. Second half, the Cowboys roll. Elliott starts grinding away. Dak hits Gallup. Dak hits Cooper. Dak hits Cooper again for a touchdown. And the defense comes back out on the field. Washington made a nice run at it. Um, and, you know, did all they could, I guess. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Woods missed another uh, interception in the fourth quarter. And we go on to uh, McLaurin's touchdown to make it 31-21. And that's where the game would end. And the Cowboys would Landry shift their way into another victory at FedEx Field, Dak Prescott moves to 6-1 and one against the Redskins in his career. An impressive mark for a division rival, especially an NFC East division rival, where you know these games have been known to go into the fourth quarter. They're often three-point games. And um, you know what he has done as quarterback of this team has been nothing short of incredible from a leadership standpoint, in my opinion. And you know, so I guess that leads me, John, to a question. Dak Prescott. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have, I have in previous years. I just, I've, it's funny because you talk to people that aren't around the area and they don't cover the team and they don't watch the Cowboys all the time. When they do watch him, the first thing they'll say is, "Ah, he seems like he's kind of limited with this or he's kind of limited with that," and they don't see the behind the scenes stuff. And and I think that's one of the biggest things. Like they don't see the work ethic. They they think it's a finished product when they when they watch him. Like this is just up. Oh, this is what he's going to be for the next, you know, five, six years or whatever that, you know, long they sign him for. It's like, no, that's not, that's not necessarily how it works. I mean, if you got a guy like him that has a work ethic like he does, you can improve in the off season. And, and, and if nothing else, you've seen it with the deep ball. And I think his mechanics are cleaner. I think John Kitna deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think that the whole, like using the share song there, like I totally, I understand that for outside of, of, and you know what? Actually, I take that back. I was going to say outside of, of the Cowboys fans, but I know there's still Cowboys fans that w- think Tony Romo is going to come back and, and lead them to a Super Bowl and that they aren't fully on the, the DAC train. But uh, I find it hard to believe through these first two games that even those naysayers uh, aren't a little bit surprised with just how clean and crisp he's been. And just, I mean, even on the interception, it's, it's a ball that's tipped, it's thrown behind. But it's tipped. It's not, you know, he just doesn't make very many bad decisions. And that's what you've seen through, from him throughout his time with the Cowboys. He just doesn't make the mistakes. You know, that's the thing. And, and the other thing is, too, especially after seeing this week, he's durable. You just see him out there every week. And, and that's a key thing, too, because you just know that you have this guy that you can lean on. Uh, so, I mean, if you don't believe in Dak Prescott right now, I mean, that's on you. You're just not watching him enough. Because if you watch the guy enough and you're around him and you see the behind the scenes, I don't see why you wouldn't believe in him. Yeah, and I just think Dak will always have the stigma of the fourth-round pick, the guy who doesn't have all the right tools to be an NFL quarterback, you know, the guy who isn't but Tony Romo. I think you put that'll it That'll change I think, if he has the postseason success. Because even I, think, if, I think you're right. I think you're even right. Even if he but, doesn't have, the, have the, the deep ball that Tony did necessarily or, or, or do some of the things that Tony did in the pocket, if he wins in the postseason – that there's going to be no question that that people are going to be completely moved on from 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 Romo. But unfortunately, uh, for those people that that don't see Dak as the quarterback that a lot of people do, um, it, it'll take that playoff success. Or I think that those 
Romo fans won't be willing to move on until they see that. So yeah. I just think that's how it is. Yeah, and I I think also with Dak, it's important to kind of see where what his situation is. And I'm not I'm not gonna you know I'm not saying he's Steve Young, he's a Hall of Famer, but I'm just saying when you follow up somebody like Steve Young did with Joe Montana or someone like that, you I mean it took Steve Young winning a Super Bowl. We all remember remember he he took the monkey off his back in the locker room. Like it took him all the way to that point to really win people over because you're following up someone else. That's that's where Tony Romo kind of benefited from. He was following up Quincy Carter, Drew like Hutchinson, and 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 God knows what else, and Drew Bledsoe. So Tony Romo kind of benefited from that, whereas Dak was taking over for Romo, and I think he kind of hurts from that. But if you watch Dak, like John said, and if you and if you see his leadership and everything, it's unquestioned that like you know everyone should believe in him. And also the 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 thing that's impressed me the most the first two weeks with Dak is probably the, his distribution. I mean, he's thrown touchdown, and no one has more than one touchdown in a game. Last week he threw four touchdowns to four different receivers. This week he threw three touchdowns to three different receivers. And so he he spreads the wealth around. He gets everybody involved. We saw today he runs the ball as well. So he does everything, and I think. You know, it's just that it's it's just that Romo was was so good for a while here that it takes people a while to for, to you know move on from that. But I I remember watching uh you know an NFL Films thing where they did like top ten quarterback controversies, and this was like five six years ago. So Brady already had I think like you know I think he had his fourth ring already, and there were still people in New England that like you know that that thought like oh if Bledsoe had the same opportunity he would do what Tom Brady's doing. And it's just you're always going to have some people like that, but it's just you know, as long as Dak performs in the playoffs, he'll be fine, and he's in. He's going to win over the trust of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this game for me, and this is why I wanted to talk about this and, and bring it up with you guys. And we're going to take a look around the um, the NFC uh, here before we wrap up. But you know, this this was just another display of everything you want in a quarterback. This week, uh, last week, this week, this guy's progressing. Um, this guy's leading this team to important wins early in the season in tough environments. Um, you know, this guy uh, leads this team not only in the locker room, but, you know, he can do the zone read. He can take a hit when he needs to take a hit. He can throw the deep ball. Uh, he gets everybody involved. He makes everybody feel included. The coaches love him. The fans love him. Um, you know, it. it it's taken a lot for me to be won over by Dak Prescott, the football player. Um, I love Dak, Dak Prescott, the guy. Um, you know, I want him leading whatever business I start, whatever. Um, but I've seen all I need to see from Dak Prescott, the football player, so far uh, in two two games of 2019. And I'm honestly surprised that they didn't announce an extension like after this game or something like that because, I, you know, I know it's a numbers game and everything, but... And the Joneses are convinced, but I would assume, John, that they would want to get this thing done sooner rather than later, right? Well, for sure. Um, if if you're a Cowboys fan listening to this, though, I, I will just say you, there's no reason you should even have a worry that he won't be their quarterback. And frankly, he's shown you through the first two weeks that this contract talk stuff off the field certainly doesn't seem to be bothering him at all. So... Uh, I don't think that that's a problem. That'd be one thing. Like if, he, if these first two games he would have struggled, thrown a bunch of interceptions, didn't look like the Dak we've seen in previous years, then you could say, hey, you know what? 
Maybe it's because this contract talk off the field is, is kind of in his head. That's clearly not been the case. But going back to the Jerry thing, it's just who has he really wanted that he hasn't gotten? I mean, he's he he re-signs anybody that's on this team that he absolutely wants to have, and he absolutely wants Dak Prescott being the quarterback of this team for the next decade. He's not going to let Dak Prescott go. Dak Prescott doesn't want to go anywhere else. It's just a matter of getting these numbers figured out, and I don't. Eventually, it'll happen. And as long as it, you don't see it impacting anybody on the field, then I don't think it's. I don't think it's a huge deal. And you know who deserves a lot of credit and all this that doesn't really seem to get any credit for this is Jason Garrett. I mean, Jason Garrett's the coach that's been there throughout. You know, Dax went through different quarterbacks, coach, different different offensive coordinators. Jason Garrett, as a former quarterback, a, fa- a former quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, he clearly deserves some credit for this, for 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 having this guy come in as a fourth round pick and and bringing him along slowly. I just I just think it's interesting. I thought of it today because before the game started, you see that Sean Payton gets that contract extension in New Orleans, which literally immediately increases Jason Garrett's chance of getting a contract extension with the Cowboys because Ugh. you're just you're eliminating one of the top candidates that they would want to replace him. And so not to get all off off the you know Dak topic for a second, but I just was thinking about this today when I'm watching the game and I'm just thinking that what's going on right now is just continues to increase the chances Jason Garrett is going to get a contract extension because Jerry Jones likes him enough that he's not just going to replace him with just anybody. And so when you remove a guy from that possibility, like a Sean Payton that the Joneses obviously like a lot, that increases Jason Garrett's chances. And, and really, like I said, he deserves credit for, for some of Dak's success because he's been there throughout this. He, he helped draft the guy. He's the one that was fine with staying with Dak when everybody thought, or at least most people thought, that they would go back to Romo. I mean, he's made those decisions. And it's just interesting to me because he doesn't get any credit for any of that. Yeah. Yeah, that is, it's, it's kind of a package deal. You know, it's, if the Cowboys you know, make it to the playoffs this year, if Dak, you know, is a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, you know, if they sign him to an extension later in the year, they get their offense uh, secured by securing Amari to a long-term contract, you know, and they lose in the NFC title game. And this is why I want to transition to the NFC conversation. Does Jason Garrett still get credit for that? That's the only conversation I'm going to have because I feel like they keep the hack, but if they lose the NFC title game, somebody has to go and it's going to be Jason Garrett. And that's kind of the, the, you know, somebody's got to take the, take the ax at the end of that. And, and Garrett, I, I don't think that that, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Oh, I really don't. Yeah, I don't think at the NFC title game. You, I, I think if before that, maybe if you're like stagnant, yeah, I'm talking maybe you make the playoffs the a minimum. You, you, same thing happens. Same exact scenario happens as last year, except Dak looks better this year as a quarterback. You're more secure this year in Dak than you were the last year at the end of the year. Do you know what I'm saying? It's um, certainly possible in that scenario where it finishes the same way as it did last year that they will go in another direction. But I don't think it's a guarantee by any stretch. And, and, and having a Sean Payton now removed from that equation increases those chances even more that, that Garrett could potentially still be the guy, even if they finish the way they did last season. And obviously, we're getting way ahead, uh, I mean, to even get to that stage. But I, you bring up a good point, because if Dak keeps playing like this and they just lay an egg in the second round, well, if Dak keeps playing like this, they're going to have a bye. So then it'll be they're hosting a game, so it would be just like that 2016 season. And let's say they lose to like a hot – you know, Packers team where Aaron Rodgers is balling like that again, mm-hmm. that'd be tough. 
But I, I yeah. still don't think you can say right now that it's a guarantee that he that he would be gone. Yeah, and I think Jason Garrett, I think the reason why he doesn't get enough credit is because of just the history of the organization of of like, you know, Jerry kind of wants a coach that will listen to him and do what he does and do it kind of his way. But really, Jason Garrett's fingerprints are all over this this team. I mean, that whether it's decision making, the roster construction, everything, you can tell Jason Garrett has a say in the way every in a way a lot of these things are going. And so I think I think he's going to get credit for it. And I think that, you know, like, like John said, uh, the thing that comes to my mind is Marvin Lewis, where I'm like, you know, if the, if you don't feel like you have a better candidate and if you're still making the playoffs and you're still, and, and you're not terrible, then maybe there's not a reason to move on, which is what Cincinnati was stuck in for such a long time because they were still making the playoffs. And so I think that's a, that's a thing where I, I don't know if like he's for sure out if they lose in the playoffs, but I think as long as they advance, he'll, he, he should be staying in Dallas. Here's something I'm putting out there. I'm going to put it into the universe. We'll see what happens. Next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Jason Witten. <laughs> I'm serious. I think I think yeah. he, I'd not be surprised we're sitting here next short year. List. And Jason Witten's the no, head he'd, coach. He'd be, I would be surprised if it happened. That was some year, part but. of the conversation. Hey, hey, Witt, come on back, and we'll slide you right on in there. Jason will be out of here next year, and slide right on in there. You know, get to know this. Oh, new we're off- gonna, oh are we doing Jerry? Are we doing Jerry yeah. voices? You got a Jerry voice <laughs> oh, for I'm us? Or? No, 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 no. Not yet for the. Po- I mean, in my own personal life, yes. But oh, I'm not, okay. Not, well, yeah. Not ready to unleash it on the podcast, but it is. Funny. Okay, well, when you work up the courage yeah. to unleash it, it is. Let it me is know. funny. We'll it. it is funny though how when people talk about him that they do tend to like try and use do his voice because the reason why I th- think it's interesting is because it is so unique. There's nobody that you're ever like. Yeah, I heard that guy talking the other day. You know who he sounds like? Jerry Jones. Nobody sounds like <laughs> Jerry Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody, and nobody talks yeah, like him, and nobody uses the words that he uses in the way that he uses them. I mean, his his voice and the way he uses words is an absolute fingerprint. There's not. Yeah. A, there's nothing that's. There's no two that are the same like that. So unmistakable. When he go, no, when absolutely. he says, yeah, 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 <laughs> he says yeah like six times before he starts he, answering. Yeah, he's absolutely what were you, what awesome. Were you saying, what were you doing? I got I got off track. What were you talking about when you did the impression? I'm sorry. I was I was saying that Jason Witten's going to be the next head coach. Oh, I th- oh yeah, that's it. That's it. I think he's I think he would be in the mix, but I I don't think it would be right away. Like I don't think it would be next year. I think, but in the future, if if that's something that he's looking to pursue, Jerry loves him. Steven loves him. Uh, you know, I would I would definitely put him on any Vegas list of odds. I would I would include yeah. him. He'd be way down the list, but. Yeah, oh, no, he would, would be way would high on my list. On <laughs> I, he would be number one on my list. I feel honestly. like Chris Richard has Chris Richard has to be up there, right? I mean, like he got all those interviews last year already, and and I mean, if the defense plays well, especially when they get some reinforcements, Chris Richard. If and when we're oh, again, we're getting that. way ahead, but way if, ahead of, yeah. if Jason is... Garrett does get canned, like I would think Chris Richard is going to be on the list. You think Jason Witten's getting the head coaching job before Kellen Moore with the job he's doing right now? <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. One hundred. Nobody motivates. Jason Witten is Mister Cowboy. Like, there's nobody that would be an easier transition to head coach than Jason Witten. There was nobody that the players respect more. There's nobody that the Joneses respect more. There's nobody the fans respect more. I'm just saying. I'm putting that out there. We'll see what happens. But that's just what my gut says is going to happen. All right, uh, you know, I, I talked about NFC, and we'll, we'll end on this. Saad, you put out there on Twitter, lots well, been happening in the NFC East. 
uh, in week two, a lot of injuries, key injuries. Who's going to stop the Cowboys now? Yeah, I, I put it out there. I just asked the question, and, and you know, I, I'm not saying the Cowboys are Super Bowl bound necessarily, but I'm just saying Drew Brees got hurt, and and, and he said he's concerned about it. So I, I think coming into the season, and you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a clear top tier in the NFC, and it was the Cowboys, Eagles. Uh, Saints and the Rams and if you look at that the Eagles just lost to Atlanta and Carson got banged up a little bit we saw Josh McCown come in the game and then Drew Brees is hurt for New Orleans I mean the Cowboys could very well be going to New Orleans in a couple of weeks and playing uh, Teddy Bridgewater there and then if and then and then the Rams are good so uh, to me I said you know if the Eagles look like this and Drew Brees is really hurt aside from the Rams who's supposed to make the Cowboys sweat and, you know, I got a lot of people saying Packers. And and sure, I think the Packers are, 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 are as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, he's they're, they're a contender. And then also the Seahawks. But to be honest with you, I watched that Seattle game, and I really wasn't all that impressed. But, you know, you have to, I, I guess, because they have a quarterback and a coach and, and, a, and a good defense, you give them a chance. But I have a hard time seeing right now, as it stands right now, and, and you're always one injury away, but as it stands right now, I have a hard time seeing anybody coming in between the Cowboys in at least an NFC title That's game. That's strong. Yeah, my big thing is I just feel like I need to see at least three or four more games of Kellen Moore and, and what his offense is, and then to see how teams are going to react to that before I just assume that you know they're one of these contenders. They are a contender, but I mean like a Super Bowl uh type team because I do think the defense is going to get better and and I think that'll help a lot I, I don't think that they're going to continue to play at the level they have these first two games I think having Byron Jones back and, and getting the more he plays the better he's going to be and then obviously getting Robert Quinn I think is going to be huge coming off that right end spot so I do think the defense gets better and just I want to see more from this offense as they play some other teams after there's more tape out on what Kellen Moore's trying to do if this continues to go though the way that it's going right now then they can hang and beat any of these teams in the NFC. And and you should be uh, thinking about a possibility of them making a Super Bowl run. But I just think there's a lot of pieces that still need to remain to be seen. And the other thing is, too, as you mentioned with Drew Brees there, you need health. You need Dak Prescott to stay healthy. I mean, if he goes out and Cooper Rush comes in, uh, you just, I mean, are you seriously talking about a Super Bowl run? I mean, that, that uh, for most teams. I mean, if you lose your starting quarterback, it's, it's pretty much done. I mean, I, I, I think we all get that, right? Yeah. You, you nailed it. If yep. the Cowboys can stay healthy, I think they got a really good chance in this league to really make some noise, man. Uh, you know, I, I would put them high above in the power rankings. We got our NFL power rankings podcast coming up later in the week on the athletic. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and, uh, and break that all down. But I would think that the Dallas Cowboys would be one of the favorites, if not the favorite in the NFC at this point. Um, I would put them atop of my list, but, um, Man, the football gods have graced Dallas with the pesky Miami Dolphins next week. And we will see. 20 and a half point favorites. Is that it? Yeah, 20 and a half. That's, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's crazy. That's not the spread. That is the is that spread. Right? I'm serious. Yeah, seriously. They're, they opened as 20 and a half um, oh, my. on, uh, I forgot what. Yeah, so they opened that's at 20 and a half on, uh, on Bet Online. I thought it'd be about 15 or 16. That's 20 and a half is so much in the NFL. That is ridiculous. Yeah. But I think it's pretty obvious they're they're not even trying to win 
at this point. So I, I get that. But man, that is a lot of points for an NFL game. Yeah. The question is, will Taco Charlton be playing for the Dallas Cowboys or the Miami Dolphins? We will be talking <laughs> about that on the next episode of About Them Cowboys later this week exclusively on The Athletic. So, for Saad Youssef and for John Mashoda, I am Kent Garrison. Dallas is 2-0. and How about them, Cowboys? Hey there, listeners. We're excited to share some big news. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery have just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast that will cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. So check it out now, theathletic.com slash elite. Subscribe. Get on it. Theathletic.com slash elite. Enjoy it. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he knocks it down. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.